0: GM Jenko, how are you? Hi, Carlo. How are you, GM? Good, man. Long time no talk. I know. I know. It. It's it been crazy. Um, so there's a lot of cool topics for us to discuss, I think.
1: For sure. They've
0: been stacking up recently.
1: For sure. Welcome, everyone. Thank you for joining us today on Lex Line, brought to you by yours truly, Carlo and Jenko, where we unpack the latest In Web3 Blockchain and Crypto Legal Developments, we bring this show in conjunction with our friends at Rug Radio. Nothing we talk about should be considered legal or financial advice. As always, if you have a specific legal question, consult a lawyer, do it privately, confidentially, not on a recorded Twitter space. We record these. You come up and join us to speak. We love it. We love to have the conversation. And we do rebroadcast these across our platforms on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. So check us out on LexLine. Jenko, a few things that have happened recently that are noteworthy to discuss is, number one, uh, it appears the OpenSea, quote, insider trading trial is, I believe, underway this week in a Manhattan federal court. That's largely gone unreported, but I think that's a big deal for the space.
0: The trial not only began, but is, is that they started, like they've opened?
1: I don't have any updates. I looked on Pacer this morning to see if there were any minutes from yesterday's proceedings. But it would appear that nothing has been filed to put off the trial setting. So I can only presume it's happening.
0: <clears throat> One of the motions in limine, or motions maybe prior to, was like they're allowed to use the word insider trading. Did you see that? And am I interpreting it correctly? Did I see
1: that? I blogged about it, Janko. <laughs>
0: Oh, okay. Good. Good. It was on your blog. I may have seen. let me uh, explain.
1: Yeah. So interesting argument. Um, I blogged about this the other day and let me go ahead and pin that while I sort of set the table, but we have been debating this issue extensively because
0: you're out there competing with AI drafting blogs, right? Now. Hey, listen, so, I, like you're like the elite chess player that used to play the, the the computer. You're writing blogs, and 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 so is AI. I'm not going so to lie. I leverage ahead.
1: the technology. I use AI when appropriate, and it's definitely a great tool to enhance blogging.
0: Yeah, but they're not your they're not your author.
1: No, no, for sure they are not. So I had alluded to in a previous post, which I'll go ahead and pin up. That on 420 was the pretrial hearing in the OpenSea case. And they were hashing out a number of issues, including uh, proposed uh, voidir, uh, proposed jury instructions, and also this issue about whether the term insider trading uh, should be uh, mentioned in front of the jury. The defense takes the perspective that insider trading is a really industry-specific term that is only going to work to confuse the jury, and they basically do a nuanced uh, argument under the rules of evidence that there's more prejudice to be invited if the government is permitted to use the term insider trading during the case in chief and in front of the jury. Uh, The defense argued that insider trading and front running are irrelevant to the prosecution as they relate to crimes in the financial markets, not the alleged trading of non fungible tokens. Um, This is from my blog post. But essentially, they argue that it's. uh, They previously tried to cut the language out of the indictment, Jenko, by making an argument in a previous filing that it was surplus, it was irrelevant, it was prejudicial. That was rejected by the court. I saw that there was a letter filed in Pacer where I think the court has given them uh, the opportunity to present some additional questions for jury selection to explore with the jury what insider trading means and have they ever been victim to anything like it. So it looks like it's coming in, but I don't have any written order that I've seen so
0: far. That's important. That's that's and that's something we spoke about very early on we kind of honed in that that language was surprising in this context and um yeah during during the questioning of the jury i would think that that's a, that's a term that means something to lay people and may they may have experience with it and they may be victims to it et cetera. so i i i my my gut feels for the uh, defense there, what do you, how do you see it playing out? Do you see it being important? I'm not really familiar with jury criminal trials. Do you see it being as important as I'm kind of, my gut is saying to me?
1: Well, you know, the entire case hinges upon the, the use of alleged confidential information that the company had information about what was being featured. And the allegation is that that information was sort of front run and that in and of itself is the is the substance of the fraud violation so it's it's basically trading on that confidential information i think it's going to be a pivotal issue in the case and it is problematic because it constantly reinforces this narrative of whether digital assets are in fact securities because most people tend to equate insider trading as a term of art in securities. And I know Burdenalls is up in the house and I want to get his thoughts. We've teetered a little bit closer to that because I also shared today, there was an indictment handed down to the Southern District of Florida. Uh, this indictment is on the Hydro token, ERC-20 token. The DOJ dropped an indictment charging what we normally see in this space, Jenko. We normally see wire fraud when attached to any kind of fraudulent behavior with respect to blockchain and crypto assets. But this case had an interesting additional twist, because in this case, they also charged a count in the indictment of uh, basically misrepresentation or market manipulation of a security. The, the indictment charged conspiracy to commit securities price manipulation and this is on the heels of the SEC just having settled with this particular uh, hydro uh, token just this week. So they settled with Hydro on. They filed suit on September in September of 2022. They settled with Hydro on April 20th of 2023. And then the DOJ drops this criminal indictment. And what this is interesting to me about Jenko is that this is getting us closer to suggesting that a ERC token is a security. And I'm curious to get thoughts on that as well, because I think we're starting to now see what we've been concerned about, which is settlement of these enforcement actions is creating clarity, I think, in the eyes of the SEC and potentially in the eyes of the DOJ, that these are more looking like securities, less like commodities and far removed from what we've been arguing for, for months about this, this particular uh, this particular
0: form of technology. That makes sense. I think that makes sense. It's another, it's not like code, but it's another step in the direction of just the, 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 the air of them being securities. I think these are tangential attacks Especially if you look at, if I remember correctly, the count, you shared it. The count was conspiracy to commit securities fraud. And s- conspiracy really opens things up in the criminal world, right? Carlo, maybe you can speak to that or Birdnell's even. Like you don't have to – conspiracy to do something. You don't have to effectually you, – you don't have to be come through and do it. So maybe conspiracy for SEC violations – doesn't have the same burden of the underlying asset actually being a security. If the intent was there, the conspiracy could be there. Am I, am I?
1: Yes. So conspiracy is a very broad, um, (laughs) very broad in its application and conspiracy opens up a wider net. You don't need to know the full scope of the conspiracy You don't need to be a very, very active participant. You just need to contribute in some way, shape, or form to moving the objective of the conspiracy forward. That's a very basic explanation of conspiracy. But when you throw a net that wide, yeah, and if the token
0: isn't a security or whether it is, is there a, a lane for the prosecution to say, well, they thought it was, so this fits?
1: Well, we've always had this argument that if if the government chooses to go down this route, are they complicating their case by having to first prove to the jury that the token is a security? And can they meet that burden in a jury trial? Uh, That's that's been the lingering debate. And we've seen this reluctance because everything has been hedged in in the terms insider trading, uh, securities, fraud, but all hedged in, in in the context of wire fraud. To my knowledge, and, Birdnalls, I want to hear from you on this, is this the closest we've come to a token being labeled a security in a criminal prosecution? Because I know it was brought up in FTX, there were securities and commodities fraud alleged, but have we seen this come down to this point? This is an interesting development to me, and it hit me this morning that this is probably as close as we've come to that when it comes to criminal prosecution. Let's see if we can get him up. He's up as a speaker.
2: There yeah. he is. Yeah, hey guys, how's it going? Uh, Thanks for coming up, man. Yeah, of course. So I don't, I I don't to get know your anything thoughts. about the hydro. I haven't read the any kind of details about it. I know it just kinda of, the news just kinda of dropped. I would just as a gut uh impression. I would think that in the same way, like conspiracy to uh, illegally sell firearms doesn't need to prove that you actually own firearms to sell them, uh, or that they actually were firearms that you were trying to sell. Um, I would think in the same way that it, it wouldn't be required to prove that these are actually securities. Because remember, DOJ and SEC have very different roles. The SEC is a administrative agency and they have administrative powers. DOJ obviously has criminal powers underneath it and the secs are very limited uh criminal enforcement powers um so uh there is a there's a distinction there but i i would think i'd like i said i haven't seen the actual the actual uh the pleading or anything um but i would think that if it's just a conspiracy to commit securities fraud then you wouldn't need to prove that what was being sold fraudulently is actually a security. You just have to prove that what they were saying it was uh, would constitute a security. So it's
0: another another opportunity to use that language and color it and get headlines without – but giving yourself a little legal wiggle room on the merits of that issue.
2: Yeah, so like, for example, if hydro, if they were saying this hydro coin was going to be linked to a dam and the profits of that dam selling electricity would be distributed to hydro coin owners, whether hydro coin ever actually was linked to a dam or actually would distribute profits or anything like that, what they're advertising is something that would be pretty clearly a security. And that what if what they're doing is committing conspiracy to commit fraud on something that is fairly clearly uh security if if sold as as advertised then i would think that'd be one way they could get around that but again i haven't i haven't read any of this i haven't read anything up on hydro
1: i haven't even had a chance to see the indictment i don't even think it's been made uh or at least i couldn't find it this morning in my first uh in my first search but yeah it does raise an interesting issue now um we're starting to see more allegations in in government pleadings in criminal cases that are sort of teetering more and more towards the notion that these are securities. And I found it interesting in this one, Burdenall's, that it's, again, seems to be coordinated to an extent because you have within a week of the settlement of the civil case against Hydra, uh, you then have the criminal indictment dropping in the Southern District of Florida and charging this very, very specific crime, which, again, I don't think I've seen it pled this way um, that, that, that you've got basically, quote-unquote, securities fraud. So it's it's an, interesting, it's an interesting allegation. We're getting further away from the wire fraud, uh, money laundering type of, of, of vehicle for prosecuting these cases. And we're more starting to see, I think, more securities type litigation coming through on the criminal side. So I'm not sure how this is all going to play out. And then on top of all that, we got the Coinbase lawsuit that just, or, or the Mandamus
0: that just got filed. Before you move on, I wanted to ask one one question. Yeah, for sure. The the this this indictment that comes on the heels of the settlement with the agency. Is there an opportunity to settle all claims? Like, really get a full waiver when you when you settle with an an agency or is there always the risk for a defendant where there's like someone else ready to just do a copycat um whether it's an indictment whatever their jurisdiction is to kind of take your actions and and kind of like are there cross agency uh settlements that is there an opportunity for that for defendants
1: i think there's always an opportunity for that but you've got to have uh, communication between the agencies because it's it's generally the rule of thumb that one agency cannot bind another in in negotiations and settlement. And you usually can't bargain uh, with the threat of criminal prosecution as being um, as being wielded as sort of a negotiating tool. So it is touchy, but if the players in Hydra had reason to believe that they were the target of a federal criminal investigation, and given the, the timing of this, announce, of this announcement of this indictment dropping, it's possible they were aware because clearly they had to sit a grand jury and do everything they needed to do to get the indictment. And I doubt they did that in five days. But if, if the players were aware, they certainly could have tried to engage with the DOJ. But then the question becomes, what is the DOJ willing to do? Are they willing to overlook what they allege to be outright fraud and market manipulation in exchange for a civil settlement. That does happen, but it's not its not happening as often as you would think because the DOJ's mandate is to prosecute uh, bad actors in the space uh, and if bad actors want to make restitution and if bad actors who are accused of this kind of behavior want to forfeit assets, they certainly can do that, but it rarely turns out that Doing that avoids all criminal exposure.
0: Yeah, the communication would be key. I, I we have Elizabeth coming up, um, but yeah, that just seems like a blindside. Bernals, what do you, what do you think?
2: Yeah, I mean, we saw it in the Wahi case, right? The the Wahi case, the DOJ settled their claims against the the former Coinbase employee and his brother, um, and that seemingly came as a surprise to the SEC in their civil case as they filed a, a motion for summary judgment, very or motion to dismiss of GERGE 1, very quickly thereafter before the SEC could dismiss any case against them on those grounds. So it, it seems like that there may be some interagency disconnect when it comes to uh, prosecution of digital asset matters specifically, where maybe you would see more uh, cooperation between agencies um, on those type of, those type of issues. Thank you, Nalls. Elizabeth, welcome. What are your thoughts?
3: My thoughts are that I have an eerie ability to be unavailable to unmike when I get called on, and I think that that is just one of the one of the things getting used to this type of social audio. Um, I kind of came up just in case there. I, I wanted to say something, and 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 I have some thoughts in general on um, again. I just. I heard um, Jenko say that makes sense, uh, quote unquote, when we're doing this type of like legal analysis. And I feel like especially in this space, like trying to put rational thought into the analysis is so hard because they're giving us very little to work with, whereas – In general, when I try to explain to clients about like probate statutes, and again, not a web three lawyer, not IP, I'm not specialized in securities. But when I try to explain to them, look, this is the framework we're working with. We try to logically apply your facts to whatever it is that these rules that they've set up before, whether or not they make sense. Um, but, But I think, and then to bring it back to to what we're talking about here is that we just don't even know how to do that here because. There is no framework still, and I am he- hearing it in SEC. I'm hearing it with the what, the conspiracy that you mentioned. I think that was a very interesting point about whether or not it's a crime to conspire against something that may or may not be considered um, uh, illegal in the moment, if you will. Um, that said, I'm think I was thinking about Coinbase too. The Coinbase filings. Um, Hold on, I'm gonna I'm gonna mute because I'm gonna I'm gonna gather my thoughts. And I'm, but I do have something to say regarding. Um,
0: yeah, Carlo, thanks. No, that makes sense. Thanks for joining. Stay up up here. Carlo will intro that topic. I don't fully even understand it. Um, so I'll rely on that. Oh, I've got, I've
3: got it. it. It was the ruling with Yuga actually that I was, I was going to comment on. Oh, interesting. So when, when they Please. talk about, they, there were some headlines that were mischaracterizing what happened with. Um, did the court, in its um, summary judgment opinion, make like determine that um, the securities commodities question for as to the all other things and I think that in the analysis that I was reading it's not that it's that the it's under the layman is it layman, Ellie, uh, test or you know analysis that it doesn't apply as to the whole world um, and so it's just as we go through this and as we're you know in practice trying to explain this to the people that are trying to, to be good or not bad actors um, we just kind of keep that in mind as uh, how separate it is in general so I can Think that i can land that plane now thanks guys it's good no that
0: makes that makes total sense um yeah i heard that a lot and it's like the one main trademark statue applies to goods and then the question was well are nfts goods because they're you know digital in nature or whatever intangible and then the court ruled and, and i think that's a meaningful whether it's obvious or not that's a very meaningful building block as we build a new space that, okay, the fundamental overarching trademark protection act, um, does apply. It, it, it does apply in this instance to this class of goods and, and they call them, uh, a goods or products or goods, goods under that act definition. And folks don't understand that's where like a reporter or someone just kind of like then thinks the legal analysis is over they're like okay well it's a good therefore it's a good in all definitions and like that's the the biggest loophole lawyers like invented was like defining a term within the context of just one contract or one statute because you can define it however you want but the 99 percent of the world perceives it as meaning something else and that's like the oldest trick in the book so the definitions just don't transfer, and that's just fundamental. So I think that got carried away. And then, like every time, there's a judge that speaks about NFTs, like everyone thinks securities. It's just a weird meme that's happening. So I appreciate that point, Carlo. What do you think?
1: No, excellent points. Um, I really didn't get a chance to break down the Yuga uh, summary judgment decision, but Burdenall's did in his uh, in his weekly update. Did a great job, and the conversation now is pivoting towards: Is this the time to settle that case? Because the issue that has not been resolved is damages, and given the the breadth of that ruling, is is it likely that this case will potentially trigger you know significant damages in favor of Yuga? And is this the opportunity to settle?
0: Yeah, Bernolds, I want to hear your thoughts, and I want to ask you. Would start with the question, like, or I guess the comment. It's very it's always impressive to me how judges kind of skillfully allow and disallow MSJs to leave the parties in a position where settlement is more likely. Like they don't have to say everything in these opinions to get the outcome that they kind of push for. And I always think that that's a skill that goes kind of on Notice sometimes. Is that true? Do you see that? Do you see that here? What do you think about the whole thing?
2: Yeah, so the initial issue was under the Lanham Act, which is the, the overarching law in the U.S. for trademark to establish trademarks as a federal uh, law as opposed to a state common law, which states also have trademark laws as well, and there was common law, and some have statutory, but the Lanham Act is what was the big overarching uh, federal trademark law that's all under. So that that argument, the discussion from there, was just that the Lanham Act doesn't, trademarks don't apply to intangible uh, items so if you think of like a receipt of something um that's like a generally considered intangible so they cited to the meta saying that these nfts these digital assets aren't just merely like receipts uh, of these goods they actually do in they actually do have some kind of use or value or something outside of just this intangible value so that would that was that discussion i don't think it's a giant i mean i think it's something that some like pointy-headed lawyers maybe had made the argument that didn't apply because of that intangible nature of the of digital goods. Um, but I, I I thought that was probably uh, a pretty standard ruling from both Metaburkins and from uh, the discussion in this case. Uh, I mean, looking at like settlement, I thought this case should have settled after the defendants lost their anti-slap motion. On the, and the judge said, "Hey, I'm not going to apply the Rogers test to this. This isn't art. I don't, I don't consider this to meet the very bare threshold of artistic relevance um, under the Rogers test. I'm not going to apply the Rogers test to the state law claims. So that's why your your anti slap motions fail. And at that point, I thought the judge had broadcast as loud and clear as possible that the same general claims under federal law." He was also not going to apply the Rogers test, so I, I I thought if it was going to settle, it would have settled then. Um, I understand that they wanted to keep up the good fight. I think that maybe there's like some small surprise that they didn't even that they took away the liability from the jurors' hands. They didn't even give an instruction on uh, on the uh, Rogers test, like we saw in the uh, Metta-Burkins case. Um, maybe there's some, but like you said, I think that. Judges do do a good job of kind of giving that certainty to uh, litigants or giving a general idea to litigants on which way they're leaning on certain issues. You can, you can weigh in the, all right, what are my chances of success? What are likely damages? Um, And that's how I'm going to determine what like a fair settlement would be. So judges do usually do a good job in my, in my experience of giving a general chances of success. I mean, Who knows? Sometimes I I felt the judge was 100% going to rule against me on an issue based on the questioning and the conversations that we had in in chambers or in in court, and then they rule in our favor. So who knows on that? But I I agree with you that the judge seems to be saying, hey, they seem to be giving multiple opportunities for the parties to settle um and I, it could be either side that's that's stopping the settlement from happening but it, it seems like if settlement was going to happen now is kind of last time because no one wants to pay for uh yeah a, big law, defen- a big law defense a big of fence on something that you already lost on liability and all the yep. stuff is like money and that's why what that
0: that nuance right there is kind of what i meant was impressive because like he cut off all options to win at the trial level, but then said, you still have to go through the trial. And by the way, the thing at issue is like, whether you're going to have to pay for the other side's work at that trial. I'm not going to say you, you lose, I'm I'm not going to say you have to settle right here, but like, that's the game that was set up. So it's, it's pretty dramatic. Um, now of course appeal can change anything and, and shake everything up, but, um, I tend to agree with you if we're assigning rationality to it, you know, do the causes of action arise in the first place if everyone's rational? Do does the case get filed if everyone's rational? Do they not settle like you said in the at the anti-slap moment if everyone's rational? So like the only thing for us to be is rational and, and assume that they're not, I think. <laughs>
2: Yeah, and I mean, I think there's, I think there's rational reasons for, uh, I mean, both sides potentially to, uh, depending on what they believe in. On, all right, even if Yuga thinks if I get all the damages we possibly ask for, we're at a chance of actually collecting it from these guys, some none, I would think. Um, but it sends a big message to other people that try and violate their trademarks. Um, and on the right rip side they might be like hey no the judge got this wrong on anti-slap at the state at the at the state claim level we think he got it wrong at the federal claim level as well um, but the only way to get to that appeal is, is through finishing it off and then getting to the appellate level um, so if they think they can support that kind of claim I mean I guess have at it I never thought their claim was a winner but I, didn't, I also didn't think the Rogers test like idea was like a bad faith argument. I thought it was a losing argument, not a bad faith one. So maybe they believe that they can win on appeal. So maybe I, I don't know. It's hard to it's hard to tell. But like I said, in, in a rational in a in a world where everybody's acting completely rational and everybody has the correct understanding of the law and facts, every every case should settle. That's standard <laughs> exactly. standard calculus, so that
3: that's something I love to hear. Like it, as far as like this web three web two web whatever is that like that that anyway i just wanted to agree with you vocally i see Ira's joined the stage so dory
1: you're also up and i definitely want to hear from ira as well dory welcome long time no talk how are you
4: i'm doing well how are you all doing
1: wonderful good to be back
4: good morning um you know i'm trying to Really trying to tackle this Google Labs decision, um, and I admittedly have not accomplished it. You know, I've gotten nearly as far as as I want to. Um, I'm gonna say something on a more general level, and I, I, I hope this this won't necessarily redirect the conversation at all. Um, just having been at NFT and last week where. Um, I spent the vast majority of the time in the legal and finance conference room listening to presentations, um, which was in one of the smallest rooms at the Javits Center, out of every you know possible place within the venue to hold presentations. I continue to be struck by um, how little attention seems to be paid overall in Web3 to these really pressing legal issues, which... Um, you know, from my former life, you know, I, I can't help but but um, be triggered by, um, but in my current world as, a, as an artist and creator, trying to sort of balance that duality of experiences. And so I first wanted to thank all of you, um, first of all, for, for having conversations like this, um, because what I, I am continually trying to do is communicate to other creators the critical nature of paying attention to the things that are happening and leading up to court decisions. Um, and I don't know that I've, I've resonated with a ton of people as of yet, um, but I'm still, to be honest, at a very fundamental level. Uh, you know, I was really surprised that that Rips was – it wouldn't occur to me, and I'm very risk-averse to begin with, I think we've established that in our prior conversations, but it, it would be to to that was in fact that looked identical to something that had already previously been created in past collections. That's not meant to sound as judgmental as it clearly does. Um, but I continue to be surprised at some of the things or many of the things that are taking place within the space that that are why we need all of you so very much to be participating in it uh, as well. So I know that's not a, a particularly salient point or on topic, but I, I hope,
0: it's, no, that's a great. I point. hope
4: it's taken well.:
0: That's a great point, and it gives me the opportunity. Carlo works really hard hosting and making this show happen. I just kind of like show up like a lot of folks and it does help if you retweet the room or like comment on Matt's comment underneath. We're kind of getting lost in the shuffle and it, it does help. We keep getting comments and emails and DMS with folks who are like, wow, I learned so much or thank you. Thank you. So, so that's the only thing we'd ask Carlo works hard on it. Um, no, Dory, please stay and, and jump in. Um, I don't know who was next Carlo, but I want to, I guess that's the thing to do is ask people to do that and it helps. So it, it
1: it definitely does. And you know, we, we don't get big crowds in these spaces. We know that we know that we're not talking about, you know, the, the, the more, I guess, uh, timely conversations as far as floor prices and asset prices in the space, but it is an important uh, conversation that we do have here. So I appreciate that Dory. And I agree with you, Ira. Long time, no talk. I would love to hear from you. And then we've got a new person in the house, creative type. Ira, what's good, man?
5: Well, good morning here in California. Probably good afternoon on the East Coast. Um, All right. A lot of great comments, so I'm not going to go ahead and repeat them. Mine will be more uh, jaded. And that is, we start off with the notion that in the name of art, somebody creates a collection uses terms like board apes and you know RR R board apes or R R B A, whatever. And within the scope of their own NFT project deep links to the artwork for board apes. And so now we're sitting here saying to ourselves, all right, here they are doing something that's, you know, looking like board apes, smells like board apes, and they're deep linking through a hyperlink from their own token to the IPFS data for the actual real board, eight yacht club. And, you know, a lot of folks look at this and go, all right, whatever it is, whatever it is, it can't be allowed to exist. You know, they're making crypto over it, perhaps a lot of crypto over it at the time and don't know exactly what it is, but it should not be allowed to exist. So now we have this wheel that we spin and say, can you please help us find the tort that makes it so this thing cannot be allowed to exist? And Yuga goes to court and a lot of folks are saying equitably, we're with you, but which tort is it? You know, is it, you know, unfair competition? Is it deceptive practices to consumers who may be thinking they're getting the real board apes and they're not? Is it, um, an FTC violation, a baby FTC violation is a copyright infringement, right? When you hyperlink, in some instances, to artwork and it's you don't have authorization, it's what's known as secondary infringement. And, uh, you know, I've handled a lot of those cases, those are search engine type cases. When you hyperlink to infringing materials and you don't take it down, whatever you do, willfully, arguably secondary copyright infringement. And then you have this trademark infringement. So which one is it? And I got to tell you, right from the start, I was thinking to myself, well, geez, they have a token. They're allegedly not authorized to deep link to the artwork. That sure sounds like secondary copyright infringement to me. And then they brought it as a trademark case. And I'm thinking, all right, whatever it is, it probably shouldn't be allowed to exist. So let's see what the court does with this. And then we get back this opinion where equitably it probably has the right outcome. And maybe even legally, <laughs> if appellate courts looked at it, you know, it may actually have the right outcome. But it's some cases, it's less than satisfying. You know, it's, for example, mentioning the terms of use, like they're the Holy Grail without scrutiny and, you know, avoiding the, the thorny issue of whether or not this proper notice and consent that folks who are getting into the board of its collection actually agree to it. They mention in the terms of use in the in this opinion that there is no trademark license given. But for the love of God, if this is a motion for summary judgment, you'd think that there would be a triable issue of facts raised by the defense that people are selling beer and opening restaurants. And, you know, it's going beyond just putting it on shirts, but they're literally advertising businesses with their selected board apes. Can a a Board 8 be a trademark and a copyright at the same time? Yes, but maybe that's a triable issue of fact. So equitably, I think a lot of us think this is the right outcome, but I still have to say if I had to point to one heckle for this, I'm not entirely sure what the right tort is, and I'm not sure that we've gotten enough guidance from the court given that they just assumed a lot of these things to have no tribal issues of fact on going forward how to conduct ourselves. Now, for example, there's a lot of folks out there who now look at this and say, wait, I'm not getting a trademark license, and they've clarified it, and it's not even an implied one. Um, they may have made a lot of their users, a lot of the people who own the board Apes, into trademark infringers. So there is a, there's a lot, there's a lot of fallout from this. We'll see how this evolves. Wow, interesting. Can you walk take.
0: through that last point, how they made others infringers through this opinion? Well,
5: I, I would just say that if we were to data mine many months worth of social media and transcripts and folks discussing, you know, licensing their bored apes, I would imagine in the hands of good lawyers that you could find all sorts of intent and actual uses in commerce for people who buy the board Apes and use it in a Lanham Act type way, not just only as a copyright logo, but literally using it to do some degree of branding or some degree of source of goods. And it seems, if we're intellectually honest, and look, you know, I'm happy for folks to disagree, that's fine, that folks aren't using this in the most purest copyright way, like just putting it on a shirt, but they're starting businesses, you know, doing services, um, maybe even branding themselves that way. And now you start getting into the Lanham Act, and so the types of analysis that one would want to see if if there's going to be a summary judgment would be a validation that the defense raised the argument that, wait a second, even though a logo could be a copyright, which is what the opinion says, here are at least 10 exemplars of where there was actually a use in commerce, which does raise the integrity of whether or not this has been trademark abandonment, uh, whether or not not there could be even a naked license, because they're turning, you know, maybe they're willfully blind. And I'm not saying that I think the outcome was wrong in this case but I'm saying that the opinion didn't validate the nerd arguments or the lawyers didn't raise them. I don't know which one it is.
0: Fascinating. Fascinating. Uh, Creative type. Thanks for joining. Maybe she's on... Um,
6: I'm here. Sorry, I was oh, just
0: wonderful. tweeting.
6: <laughs> I was just tweeting because uh, I was going to share it on the top of the room. Um, so um, I'm kind of new, uh, jumping in with the attorneys. It's nerve wracking sometimes, but no, that's uh, fine. Is
0: that a world of woman?
6: That is a boss beauty. Boss I have beauty. world of woman
0: too. Beautiful.
6: Yeah. I like well, I am a little bit hidden personality if you dig in probably through my Twitter you'll be able to find my real personality and for years uh, in the United States I kind of I'm a designer right so I kept my uh real life a little bit hidden because my father was a Supreme Court judge so as a designer in the beginning of my career and it's a lot of responsibility I didn't want to become a lawyer um, I was more of the creative type um, wait a
0: second once I Sometimes yep. I'm on spaces I can't hear correctly. Your father, correct, was a U.S. Supreme Court judge.
6: Not U.S. Overseas. Okay. Mm-hmm. okay. That. But wrote... the
0: equivalent of the supremest of courts in the other country. Correct.
6: Only five cool. judges in the in in the country that happens right, and the country that I. You're counsel- narrowing
0: it down for us. Keep going. Yeah.
6: Yeah, he wears the green, uh, you know, green uh instead of the red that judges wear. Um so
0: <laughs> All right. Well go ahead. That's 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 interesting. So you have a wonderful perspective. Don't be intimidated at all, just just share, please.
6: Correct. And I worked in Fortune fifty country uh, companies as a global creative director, leading creative uh but I started small with my master's in one of the top universities in the world and moved into the United States because, you know, I can say whatever. So I kept my background, but that only made me a better designer because knowing what's going on and how things are being handled in corporations made me a better designer. So my latest thing after I got laid off uh, from uh, in the beginning of the pandemic, shortly after, designing a hand sanitizer line in the beginning of a pandemic that we were our entire design team was let go. Um, the company sold the business to a very big retail company and at launch they made nine million dollars which still selling and that could have probably easily justified my entire creative team salaries but it's okay because the government always helps us and I was able to get into arts and explore NFTs and crypto, and found my way to board apes. And I'm the first ever designer who developed a board ape self care line um, with two board ape images.
1: Is that is that for personal use or is is that self care in the in the digital space?
6: No, it's brand, actual brand. If you go and Google, interesting. If you go and Google board ape. Uh, Yacht Club Beauty collaboration. You will see my name attached cool. to it.
1: So, so, how do you, how do you feel yeah. about the trademark implications yeah. of this summary We're, judgment? Exactly.
6: Exactly. So this is what happens, right? And I did this throughout my entire life. As designers, we go in and I work with attorneys and big corporations going back and forth, especially globally. When we design something in the United States, it may be available. The name may be available in the United States, but it may be taken in some other country. So what we do is we sometimes uh, use the copyright uh, of the front panel of the packaging because I design packaging and branding. So... Uh, that protects the art or et cetera, et cetera, and we can develop it in several different countries. So how I see it or our creative process usually works as, um, <clears throat> and I'm, I'm, you know, I'm pretty older. So I started working with, you know, Adobe first illustrator ever, and I'm pretty up to date with everything that I use. And I do use AI too uh, in integrity levels, uh, not copying others works. Um So we go in Shutterstock, right? We buy images. We change a little bit of here and there. Those images are sold for $50 prescription. I get 10 images per month to download, which gives me full IP and commercialize on Shutterstock, Adobe, whatever. Can I I jump in for a
0: second? I'm a little lost, and I just want to keep us on track. Right. What... Did you have a comment about the, the case or bring us back to the to, to the discussion? I know that there's a meaningful yes. I just want to help keep it yes. on track.
6: Yes. So on the board apes, what happens is how is it so different than buying a shutterstock image where now we purchased a board ape image, right? And now that board ape image was purchased originally for three hundred dollars, but now because people are building a brand that becomes a valuable asset instead of just a Shutterstock image. Um, and now each of them are $100,000 because now there's a bigger value. So it's not a $300 item. So however, when I designed the uh, beauty product line as a designer, now that image, that expensive Shutterstock image to say on the blockchain, the board Ape image, actually becomes a part of the overall design. So now whatever I created as the creator or the designer, overall look and feel, right, and the brand and trade dress, right, is actually connected to the creator as me. Do you but
1: understand? The problem. Yeah, no, no, agree. But the problem <laughs> remains, and the sticking point that I think some of the lawyers in the house, including Metaverse lawyer, you got your hand up. How do you enforce that trademark and who who gave you the authority to do that? Is it the yeah, responsibility it of Yuga the Labs? Authority. Yeah, the
5: authority. Well, wait, like, well, what are you? No, I mean, according to the court opinion and the arguments that were made, users of Board Apes do not have any trademark licenses at all. The nicer art, the nicer point would be: well, they do have a license, and how do you enforce it? So, what what, what a user is getting now from Yuga is a copyright license, no trademark license, no copyright registration. And they can't get the first base for trademark because they're not allowed to use it as a trademark. So they can't sue over as a trademark, otherwise they'd be trademark infringer themselves. You have what is a a Gordian knot. And now then on top of that, let's assume that they do have the copyright rights and they want to stop somebody else from infringing. They have to go to Yuga and say, Yuga, can you please register the mar- uh, the copyright? Because you can't get the first base in federal court in the United States without actually having an in fact registration.
0: This is the same I mean we've we've belabored this point, but this is so so you're seeing this written opinion, Ira, as just that not that you saw coming playing out. We're just it's just nothing really changed because you raised this issue before and now the issue is almost more ingrained because we have a written opinion. Kind of delineating that there isn't a triable issue as to the trademark.
5: Yeah, it, 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 right? in a context where it doesn't seem like the court gave it enough uh, paper space. Wait. Paper space. Paper yeah, because, space. because yeah. what okay. you'd expect to see in a contested summary judgment would be each side's facts that try, you know, one side saying no triable issue, the other one says it, there is. And in all honesty, again, we're ignorant, okay? I do not scrutinize the summary judgment papers for both sides. But you would expect that there would be all sorts of deposition testimony and expert testimony regarding what's available in the world where board apes are being used by others, users in commerce. And you'd be making arguments all over the place. You don't even need to make a lot to raise a tribal issue of fact as to whether or not there's abandonment or anything else that would go towards basically saying that there is a naked license, what have you. And all of us, many of us are knowledgeable about what exists out there intuitively. And yet you don't see any of those arguments being made or even validated in this opinion. So now what you have is you have, ironically, A naked result where it's just articulated uh, there is a license from Yuga it does not include trademark and I am NOT going to go ahead and discuss anything else that may be contrary to that and for me in a summary judgment when you see that it raises a red flag about the accuracy of that for other cases to follow and it does put Yuga users in a bind especially if they have historically used it in commerce you've now made them into trademark infringers.
0: That's fascinating. That's something we've, we've theoretically spoken, had conversations about, and now it's playing out. John, what, what's your take on this? Because we kind of saw this train coming, and can they wiggle out of it? Is there a solution?
7: Uh, yes. So I, and I've been sitting here listening, listening patiently. To my friend Ira, talk about this stuff um, without interrupting. Even though I was very tempted to unmute and say, "You're allowed to interrupt." Wrong. You're wrong. Go ahead. Because Ira, Ira is right 99.99% of the time about so many things, and he's so helpful. um, And love having him here and listening and just learning from him, quite honestly. But in this case, um, I think you are missing a very uh, a fine point from the opinion, and it's a fine point, but it's one that makes all the difference in the world. You know, you're talking about the trademark analysis on a much broader level than what the opinion actually uh, describes. The, the the opinion is talking about and defines the B A Y C marks. You know that that's a defined term as the specific trademarks that Yuga wasn't was was suing under, and that's what's being analyzed here. It, it's not an analysis of whether or not board, each board ape owner has a trademark in whatever it. It, it was their rest- logo
0: yeah so i use on the ape
7: it's not even the logo so the bayc marks as defined by the opinion and that are at issue in this case are um the, essentially the words board ape yacht club bayc board ape and, and yes and the logo and then as well as the the board ape yacht club logo and the ape skull logo right and those are the bayc marks as defined in the opinion so, you know, when what the judge is determining here is that when Ryder Rips sells a Ryder Rips Board Ape, he's infringing on the trademarked term Board Ape. And when they have a collection called the um, Ryder Rips Board Ape Yacht Club, the, the term Board Ape Yacht Club is a trademark term, and so he's, he's infringing on that term. There's no analysis about whether each individual ape that was sold was a trademark violation. That's not part of the case. And, in fact, um, they used the abandonment defense said that, well, when they gave commercial rights to every person that bought a board ape, they abandoned these marks. The judge disagrees with that. And I mean, not just because I own these assets, I, I agree with that too, because um, they're giving away the right to the holders to use the image of the individual ape that they bought, but they're never, and they've always made that clear. They they are not giving away the right to use, you know, an individual trait or um, that's not part of your the one, you know, NFT that you bought. And they definitely are, have never given away the right to use the terms board ape, um, board ape yacht club B A Y C. So like, like you your
0: go. your visor on your ape right now, and I want to let you finish before Ira yeah. jumps in. But just to be clear, like they they'd let you open a burger joint before any of these cases. Like when Mint happened, their intention it seemed to be that they would let you open a burger joint or put that on t-shirts, but you would not be able to do the B A Y C portion of it.
7: Well, I could use that image because I have like, I guess, I don't know. I'm not the a image, trademark right. lawyer. So I have the a limited right to use okay. the B-A-Y-C mark in the context of it's on the image of the ape I own, but I couldn't call it B-A-Y-C burgers. And I couldn't it. even call it Bored Ape Burgers because Bored Ape is a trademarked term that the Eagle labs owns and they're not giving that to the owners. That's why you have like Bored Burgers, right? But if or bored and hungry, but if you had Bored Ape Burgers, I think they would actually um, come after that and they would say, no, you can't use that. I mean, and there's been controversy within the community. There was an artist who was really well-known in the community, and now all he does is constantly um, attacks (laughs) Yuga Labs. But, um, you know, he did some artwork with the actual Skull logo, and they said no to protect that mark, I I would assume. They said, no, you can't do that. Um, And, you know, if people have said, like, bored ape, this or that, or, you know, that, or use the, ter- the full term of a trademark term, which are the marks that they're protecting in the case. I mean, that's that's the point I wanted to point out. I just felt like that you were missing that, Ira. That the trademarks at issue are those specific marks, not you know, an individual right. image on an NFT. I'm not
5: sure that we disagree, and maybe you'll tell me how in a second. And I'm doing this from memory. Um, I did go back while in while you were talking and did a a a keyword search on the opinion to find the reference to terms and conditions. And I guess I'm still not completely senile, but the, the thing that struck me about this opinion was that they didn't have to do it. They didn't have to say it, but the opinion basically says, well, there are terms and conditions that are associated with the board apes and what you get, is a copyright license, and then they went on to say, but no trademark license. Now, we could pick, I think you're basically agreeing with that, which is what I was saying before. You want it to define, and that's fine. I, I think the opinion defines the B-A-Y-C trademarks, but that's pretty a comprehensive <laughs> definition. So for me, uh, I don't think that this opinion is saying, hey, um, what I really meant was that you only get a copyright license no trademark rights. But there may be trademark rights as long as it's not a BAYC trademark right. I, I don't think so. So I, I'm going to stand by my original yeah. view that
7: fair as, enough. As you what should. this
5: opinion is saying is that the Yuga Labs terms and conditions only give users copyright rights. They don't give them trademark rights. And then every other part of what you were saying I agree with because consistent with that, Yuga needs to go ahead and, and demonstrate as good stewards for their mark that they're actually policing their mark but my point isn't that yuga ultimately wouldn't win as i mentioned before numerous times i actually feel like all you know a large part of us think equitably they're in the right it's just that this opinion didn't validate the possibility that maybe it should go before a jury or go further in this case that there's a triable issue on on whether the mark exists how strong it is whether there's been abandonment, whether or not there's been naked licensing, and then if a jury comes back and says, "Hey, plaintiffs, you win," that would be a much safer ground from appellate scrutiny.
0: That's fair, Ash. I want to jump. I want you to jump in. What do you feel? How do you? You kind of gave a hundred percent for when John was talking. Like, give your take because yeah. hey I know guys. you have experience in that. And you yeah. went you
1: went viral with your breakdown Listen, of that opinion, Ash. So I, I, legend. I
8: only, I only got like.
0: This guy's Uh-oh. got the worst t- technology. Did we lose Ash already?
1: Come on, Ash. We're closing up the hour. We is want he you that to come. shy?
0: Does he just not want to... Is, is, he, is he pulling a prank on us?
1: I, we John, need you to land you the to show.
0: You can have the last words if, if, if Ash isn't joining Can you. I ask a quick question um,
4: of
5: Ira? Oh, please.
4: Um, Ira, could you explain um, what naked licensing refers to?
5: Yeah. Um, funny term, but it's actually quite serious. Uh, Naked licensing stands for the proposition that you give licenses to anyone who comes, come one, come all, and even though under the Lanham Act you have a duty to police and do quality control so that, for example, if you're L'Oreal, you're not going to go ahead and give a license to Charles Manson to go ahead and uh, make drugs using the L'Oreal mark because if that were to happen and you don't police it and stop it, it could be considered a naked license. In other words, you don't care at all and you lose it. So the problem with NFTs is that because the whole point of it, in many cases, is decentralization and not knowing who your licensee is. You don't even know if it's a minor, for example, uh, because as long as they own the NFT, oh, they get a license. Well, that's really bad for trademark enforcement. Trademark enforcement is all about centralization of quality control. And so that's – the two are at odds with each other. So to the extent that someone like Yuga implied that you have a trademark license, which this opinion says, at least right now, that there is no trademark license, well, that's good. But to the extent that they ignored that and let people do it and turned a blind eye or willfully blind to it, well, that may be uh, some at least some evidence that there is a naked license going on and and that this opinion – didn't you know the folks didn't raise it or this opinion didn't validate that argument so that's my point
0: well thank i you. john is your point i'm sorry go, go ahead dory
4: oh no i just said thank you
0: thanks for bringing that john is your point that the like we talked about defining the terms is a sneaky way to to get stuff across like you're saying when when it says there is no trademark or even that the issue of a naked um license that would all be limited to the what is defined as the board api club marks as yeah. you defined and not not even speaking to the relationship between a bona fide holder and what they can and can't do with that image
7: yeah because the whole opinion that the, the term when I'm the judge we got saying yeah when the judge keeps saying the term bayc marks that's defined specifically as just you know these word marks the company logo and the skull logo not is not even talking about the apes so
0: it's but still I'll, an open question your interpretation of this case doesn't, doesn't resolve
7: anything it. about like trademarks i mean i'm not saying that uh, that it clarifies anything either as far as trademarks that holders of the sure, nft have sure it doesn't has. move that ball. it just doesn't that's not even what the issue is and I'll, but i'll defer flashback. I'm gonna he is. if He's
0: Ash back. Is back. I'm even going to have him cut birdnalls, but but birdnalls will, <laughs> will hang a little. Ash, go ahead. Hey, what's up, guys? Can you can you guys hear me?
2: Yes.
8: <laughs> no, no <I'm> can't. <laughs> go ahead. Did I did anything I say said earlier? <laughs> did... Don't fake like, like zero.
1: Ash, we got speech, nothing. Ash. No, I'm dead serious. Like I don't <laughs> want to just out. bore
8: the room by repeating myself. I have you no. Know, like did I rug? Completely. I, we we called on you, and you're like, "Hello," and then that was just, it. Nothing. Oh more. shit! I even went through the whole like, now that I'm Kid. Hollywood internet famous, and I can only spend three minutes <laughs> in this space. Like, you got to redo you know. the jokes. Oh, again. the you fucking punchlines didn't even land. Oh, yeah, you got to land the
0: jokes the same way. Go all
8: ahead. right. And I even went in a little hard on but I, I will go <laughs> heavy. I I actually just stepped up. John stole my thunder. That's why I popped up. Just to say, I literally agree with John on everything said. That's my interpretation of the case. I would respectfully disagree with Ira to, to the extent of, of this particular point about the apes themselves. I think this, this
5: holding was that, that, that very limited. I mean, that wasn't, my, that wasn't my, point. My, my, my point. My point was that in this opinion, the court basically said that the license that, that everyone gets, every user gets when they get a board ape does not include trademarks. It doesn't include the but word trademark they're saying it doesn't for any say. purpose. They're saying it it say that. says that it doesn't, yeah, it doesn't include say that. the D-A-Y-C mark. They're,
0: they're articulating, Ira, you were doing a word search when they were articulating it, you said, but,
5: well, they, but, my point, but they're my saying my point it doesn't the say same, it. same, because for Ash, okay. and Ash, addressed cool. this perfectly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Does, do yeah. you think the term trademark license even appears in the Board of y- uh, Yacht Club's license in any capacity, n- for n- any n- purpose?
8: No, of course not. Uh, but let me just sort of... Explain where I where I think I'm coming or where I'm coming from and, and how I think the, the holding itself was like John said was specifically talking about the basic marks as defined and was silent on that particular Agreed. part. But to the but but to the extent that they say what they have, were giving is a copyright license, my sort of counter argument to that, or one that I would want to see fleshed out, I should say, because again I, I'm fallible. I don't I don't know at all, of course, is to say that. The m- trademarkability and recognition of use of the ape arises in co- use in commerce. So, to the and almost involuntary in many ways, because to the extent that somebody's using their ape image in a trademark design mark like manner and it and and trademark under common law arise under that, I don't even know that you could have a say in that necessarily because as long as the user is within their commercial rights within the, the license to use it. Uh, now, if they previously came out and said, hey, we, as a material term of this f- comprehensive license, you are not allowed to use this in a trademark manner in association with goods and rents, I, I would just, I would agree with that. But to, to the extent it's silent, and if someone like Borden Hungry is now using it in the trademark, I, I, I just don't see how we get there from this opinion to say that they don't have uh, at least a plausible claim that they've – have trademarks rights
5: that have arisen from use F, you're You're, 100 per, you're 100% yeah. correct. I think we all agree with each well, other. Well, thank you. <laughs> but, but here's the point I'm, I'm making, and I think yeah. my point is actually not that grandiose. I think what the court's basically doing is reminding us to go review the terms and conditions and try to find the term trademark anywhere in there. It doesn't exist. And they're reminding us, therefore, that there is no trademark license and in the context of this case, particularly as it relates to the Board 8 Yacht Club uh, words. But if there's no trademark license, there's no trademark license. Ash, what you're describing is a litigation. And that is when you go ahead and you get a Board 8 and you agree to this license, and it doesn't give you a trademark license, and then you start using something in commerce where maybe you need one. Well, what are your rights using this in commerce versus Yuga's rights, especially if Yuga waits a long time, is that an abandonment? Is that a waiver? Is that latches? So we're agreeing, but what you're basically saying to me, and I agree with that, is is Yuga really sucking at policing itself to the point where these folks who do not get a trademark license could essentially, through adverse possession, evolve into one, and that's a litigation issue that's not really a transactional issue. Thanks,
0: Ira Birdnalls. Go ahead.
2: Yeah, I was just going to jump in and uh, just kind of add on to Ira's point that um, lots of these issues weren't really taken away from a jury because lots of the issues being decided were issues that would be decided on a matter of law uh, area. So, like whether trademark has been genericized. Or whether there's a naked license is usually uh, I could be wrong, there could there could be other situations, but usually that's gonna be decided as a matter of law. That's not something that's gonna to go to a jury anyway. It's not gonna be something on the verdict sheet that says you find that there's been infringement, but you also find that the license that the trademark was genericized because of X, Y, and Z. So it wasn't something lots of those things like naked license I didn't see going to a jury anyways. Um, I saw that being decided as a matter of law in any, in any case. So the big thing that Dick took away was Roger's test issue and whether these infringe upon the, the trademarks in question. So uh, which, which is like like I said, that's a little bit surprising um, that they didn't even let it go to a jury because they could always just overturn the jury's holding if they wanted to. Um, and they'd have a little more less, less of a chance of uh, appeal being uh coming back to them, but um and just the, another just quick point is that it's really hard to prove abandonment of a, of a trademark and failure to enforce trademarks i mean you can if you're sending out the occasional um cease and assist and not even acting on that then you're likely going to be found that you're enforcing your trademark in a way that doesn't make it abandoned so it's a really hard claim to make Excellent
1: points. We've had a tremendous conversation today on many developments in the space, including this Yugo ruling. Ash, you got your hand up. I'd love to give you the last word before we close up on the hour. Unfortunately, I got to get back to real life lawyering, Jenko. Hate to say. Are you Ash, saying that's
0: not what I'm doing? <laughs> I don't know Go what ahead, you're doing, Ash. Jenko. <laughs> no one does. I don't know what I'm doing. Go ahead, Ash.
1: He did it again.
0: That's classic. His mic's not even on. What we're going to do, do next time is he's going to There we go. Talk, I'm back. I'm back. And he's back. And, I'm then, back. We're gonna, <laughs> and then we're going to tell him he was rugged, and we're going to make <laughs> him do the, the thing twice. <laughs> and then we'll put that out on podcast. We're oh, viral. my We'll a big I, audience next week. Right, go ahead. Right, I'm good. I, I just wanted I two
8: things. One to say it's good to be back up here with you guys. Thank you for having me. Second, I, I, we could debate this all day or long. I, I just wanted to go back. And make this one final point, which is I'm having a really hard time getting to abandonment or genericism because we're not even t- the only trademarks that Basie is laying claim to are the ones that are established, like Bored Ape, Ape, the brand like the ones all John Mean. So to the extent that we're talking about trademark arising from uses of the ape images themselves, I th- there's no issue of abandonment because they've never claimed trademarkability in them in the first instance. And the same thing uh with with sort of genericism. So the only marginal case that I really struggle with at the moment is the ones that contain the BAYC marks in the actual images themselves. I will totally say, I don't don't know what the hell to do with that particular one, but all the other ones uh, I think uh, I I just, I'm having a hard time getting there. So I'd love to learn
0: more, hear more opinions on it. Thanks. That makes a lot of sense. Ash. That's a good point that, um, that it it, it was more narrow. Um, I think we had a great, talk if if carlo has to get back to his his real life yeah i I gotta get
1: back to real life um headed to new york this week to attend the new york state bar association that's gonna be a
0: great event. yes
1: very excited about that and uh while in new york i may try to pop in and check out some of the open sea trial if it's ongoing and if the uh planets align just right that's
5: fantastic yeah so that's, really we, that's an awesome question. idea, Carl. We shall see.
1: Yeah, that's a historical event, and I'd love to try to to pop in and see what's going on in that case. To everyone who joined us today, as always, thank you so very much. This and is worth uh, a
0: listen back. This was a very good discussion. It's, absolutely. It was like a writer's room. I really like these, these talks. I learned a lot. Everyone, thank you for joining.
1: Yeah, thank you. And catch us if you missed it. You can always replay it on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. To everyone who came up and talked, thank you so much for joining us, and we will do it again, hopefully, Friday, schedules permitting. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, Janko.